Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my super very special guest. <laughs> All the way from Waterstone Mortgage, underwriting manager, regional underwriting manager, Melissa Ferentz. Melissa, welcome to the Loan Officer Podcast. Thank you for having me. So here's the thing. Guys, girls, anyone tuning in, I totally coerced Melissa, slid her a bottle of her favorite vodka, and I said, hey, our listeners would love nothing more but to actually have a real live, in-person mortgage underwriter on the show. Who do you know? And she's like, well, you manage how many underwriters, Melissa? Um, I have 13. Okay. And I was like, yeah, but who's going to be the best on the show? And you said? Clearly me. Clearly you. <laughs> like, yes. So not only an underwriter, but how about like someone who manages and hires <laughs> underwriters, right? 13 of them to be exact currently, yes. right? So you are the regional underwriting manager. You, if I get this correct, I should know this, we work together, um, but you are the regional underwriting manager of the East Coast of the United States. That is correct. Right, so you cover branches from where to where? Um, I have branches from Illinois all the way over into Maryland. Um, so yeah, the East. <laughs> and your least favorite branch is the branch that comes out of Ohio, correct? <laughs> that, that is not correct. <laughs> that is not correct. I say that for a good friend of mine, Jesse, who yeah. happens to run a very large and productive operation out of, by the way, your home state of Ohio? That is my home state. Go Buckeyes. All right. O-H-I-O. <laughs> Except for when it comes to uh, uh, bets. And then you guys do owe. You owe me $100 from the dude that welched on a bet, UCF, Ohio State, in Columbus. This was probably eight, seven years ago. True story. My buddy Rob Farragher, who was on the show, can attest to it. And he's a big Buckeye, too. Uh -huh. But you guys don't pay your bets. He lost the bet, and the dude, literally, middle of the fourth quarter, disappears. <laughs> disappears. Owes me $100. Wherever, wherever you are, homeboy, you owe me $100. Because you guys... <laughs> Did beat UCF, but didn't cover the spread. No. So Ohio State. Correct. Graduate. And when you graduate from Ohio State, you landed your first gig. Was it right out of college into the mortgage industry? I actually landed my first gig in the mortgage industry accidentally while I was in college. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Always underwriting or? Nope. Okay. Where'd you start? No, I started, uh, I actually was going to school for journalism um, and public relations. And so I had needed a job because I had to pay my way through school. And uh, I looked and there was an ad for an account executive at, um, at Household Finance. And I was like, well, shoot, account executive, that's like marketing, public relations, I can handle that. So I sent in my resume and uh, went in for the interview for it. And the, um, the branch manager was like, yeah, no, you're not cut out for this. Like you don't have enough experience and whatnot. But they're like, I have a sales assistant position that's opening, which happened to be like the front desk, but, you know, doing all the household did personal loans and all that stuff. So, you know, printing out the docs for them and doing that, it was a, it was not a processor, but on the way to being that plus the receptionist. Um, and he's like, you know, you would probably be a good fit for that. And I'm like, sure, why not? Plus uh, seven bucks an hour sounded great to you. I, I think my first job um, in college, I, I was making maybe in the high teens, low twenties. <laughs> okay. Full time. Yeah. And you're not talking about your hourly, you're talking about your, your annual correct. income. Correct. Okay, yeah. Yes. Correct. <laughs> so, so you parlayed the job as basically a receptionist, by the way, I never knew that story about you. Yeah. Um, 
I love hearing it because so many times on this show, we'll talk about people trying to get their foot in the door. Like, look, start somewhere. Yep. Whether it's a processing assistant, a loan officer assistant, marketing assistant, or receptionist. Your your job the first two years is to get in yep. with a good company, impress people, and then take it from there. Correct. So you did that, but you did it before you were even out of college. You were still in college. Yep. And okay. uh, um, then, uh, you know, the knowing, you know, being in the business for the little bit of time that I was, kind of figured out I didn't think that sales was necessarily the path that I wanted to go down anyway. I, I for for me and I think most operations staff, it's uh, I like knowing where my next paycheck is coming from. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, you know, then I look at like, what are the positions within the mortgage industry that I can do that make the most money? Where is going to be my best bang for my buck? Right. And it was underwriting. So um, I took my job from household, then um, moved over to be a processor at Chase. Um, then went to Wells, and while I was at Wells, um, I, I was like, all right, this is it. I want to be an underwriter. And uh, they would not, unfortunately, at the time, give me an opportunity to do that. But we used to broker our mortgages, our second mortgages, to a company in Florida. Um, and so... <laughs> Uh, it just so happened that I had always wanted to move to Florida. So uh, Because who likes Ohio? Right. Besides I, my I, buddy Jesse, but whatever. Yeah. It's a, it, Ohio's a good state. I'm going to get a bunch, of, a bunch of hate mail. I know. Um, like, people are no, going to be blasting have, us on YouTube. I'm like, Ohio State's awesome. We have Cedar Point. <laughs> Wendy's. I mean, that like, lots of places are cool up there. Um, but... Uh, Anyway, so uh, I got the opportunity. I had always wanted to move to um, Florida, and it just so happened that this company had a had a uh, office in Florida, and I sent my resume about probably fifty times, no joke. And that's the you know just sending it to the email and hoping that one day I was going to get a call, and um, I did. And wow. uh, after uh, fifty times, though, yeah, <laughs> like what a, what an awesome life story. Let's say a non mortgage professional is tuning in, and just a younger professional. Like, yes, tenacity. Yeah. That that tenacity will pay off. You have to be persistent. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that was, after, again, that was after being told no um, at Wells that I wasn't, uh, you know, that there was not that opportunity to learn how to do it. And so just so happened that um, the, uh, the vice president of operations at the time for Florida, for the company, um, happened to be a Michigan girl, actually. Okay. And... Uh, the team up north? Yes. <laughs> and... Uh, she uh, called me and had a phone interview with me and was like, yeah, we're going to bring you down here um, for, you know, for an interview. And that's a that interview is a whole different story. But anyway, long story short, um, she ended up taking a chance on me. And um, within three weeks of getting the offer, I packed up what I could in my um, 90, 98 or 97 uh, Chevy Camaro, including my two cats, and drove down here and moved to Florida and started to learn how to underwrite. <laughs> a cat lady with a Camaro a and a lady. bottle of vodka. Nothing screams mortgage <laughs> underwriter more than that. Yeah. Throw in a pack of cigarettes and we're good to go. Yes. No, so, so this is why I'm going to love having you because it's <clears throat> it's not... It's not rare, but it's also not often that loan officers especially, but salespeople, but even the, the general public, like, you know, people buying homes or refinancing their mortgages have direct access to an underwriter. Yeah. Right? You don't talk to consumers anymore. No. No. Uh, if you're talking to a consumer, something went definitely sideways. Correct. <laughs> Someone got your contact information that wasn't supposed to get it. Correct. And there's certain places um, that I have worked or I have friends that work that for whatever reason, they don't allow their loan officers to have direct access to their underwriters. Personally, guys and girls listening, I wouldn't work at a place like that. I agree. I did that once. That's not how we operate. Where, where we work, we're a team. There needs to be synergy. Yep. But what I want to do is I, I really want to pick your brain 
more about how a loan officer, someone tuning in, whether they're brand new to the business or they've been in the business for 20 plus years, can get better at their job by listening to you answer my questions. Okay. All right. Something else, if you're a consumer, you're not in the in the in the mortgage industry, but you're looking to purchase a home at, at which point you're gonna finance it or you're looking to refinance, wouldn't it be great to see the man or the woman behind the curtain and understand that they're not big, bad, mean, right? They do I swear we're not the devil. <laughs> They're not, not, they're not, not Satan the spawn, right? <laughs> and we're not trying to kill your deal. <laughs> yes, they, they're not trying to kill your deal. But, you know, there's a rhyme to their reason and, and there's certain protocol that they have to follow. Okay. Before I get into that, I'm just curious because you started mentioning your own personal story and how you started as a sales assistant while in college, parlayed that to after graduation, becoming a processor. After that, trying to get an underwriting job, trying to get an underwriting job. 50 resumes later, someone gives you an underwriting job, and it just so happens to be in a state that's better than Ohio. That state's called Florida. <laughs> so you hopped in your car, you moved, and then the rest is history. I know there's plenty of chapters in that book that we could visit if we had a two-hour episode to do, but we're going to try to keep this one in less than 45 minutes. <laughs> um, so you've been the underwriting manager here at Waterstone Mortgage for, has it been five years? Five years. So we can talk really openly about the past five years mm -hmm. um, and know that there's, you know, a bunch of, of other opportunities that led you to this one. Of course. But what recommendation would you have for someone who wants to be the next Melissa? Um, to your point, tenacity. Um, you're going to, you're going to get told no a lot. Um, breaking into the underwriting field in general, there's not a lot of people who are going to just pull you off the street and make you an underwriter. Um, it does take uh, work to get there. It's not just something that you can decide, wake up. I mean, you can wake up one morning and decide you want to be an underwriter, but you're not going to be able to go and apply for that job. And most people are not going to hire you just straight out of the gate. So um, if you are interested in this field, which honestly, it is a, it is a great career. I mean, the mortgage industry in, in general is a great career. But uh Oh, hang on. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Technical <laughs> difficulties. Someone fire John Coleman because Melissa's headphones are not Sorry. staying on. Sorry. There we go. Like how I guess I have a kind of a tiny head. But um, anyway, uh, so the biggest thing is, again, just taking, taking the first step, um, you know, you have to start somewhere, um, and it's it, you know whether that's a loan, uh, like an RLP ones, which is you a know loan a loan officer assistant, assistant. Yep. yeah, um, or if it is the receptionist, and then you move into a processing role, um, you that's where you start. I mean, I think some of some of the best underwriters have come obviously out of our processing department to be quite honest um they know they you know that's where you learned how to spell mortgage what is a 1003 well now the new erla yes but uh um and what you and what, i will forever call that document a 1003 i still call it a hud okay yeah <laughs> they're called call, cds melissa I, call it, I still call it where's the HUD? well unless you're paying cash by the way <laughs> yeah. if someone pays cash they get a hud that it's is. only a finance transaction that has a cd or closing disclosure that is true so I would say that honestly, um, it just takes time. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. But um, the effort. What would be realistic? Is it a? Is it a? If I was a processing assistant for a year, I got promoted to be a processor. Mm -hmm. What's a time frame? Realistic time frame? I would uh, say two, two to three years in the processing department before somebody would probably realistically look at you to start as a conventional underwriter. And and two to three years, but if I'm in the office with or um, a, a regional operations center with multiple processors, let's say up to 15 or 20, mm -hmm. I'm assuming they're not just taking anyone that has two or three years experience. Correct. Are they, uh, cliche to say, but let me ask you the question, are they taking the best of the best? Of course. Yeah. 
So if so if you are a processor or you are wanting to break into this industry, it's not only do you need to start somewhere mm-hmm. as an assistant, whether it's receptionist or processing or sales assistant, then work your way into becoming a processor. Then you have to be the best of the best at processing, which which Melissa's saying at a minimum is two to three years. Correct. And you have to be the best of the best. What makes someone best of the best? Like what characteristics are you and your hiring team going to be looking at, whether you're hiring external or whether you're, you're promoting internal from processor to underwriter? Well, I think um, one of the biggest things is I hire typically uh, based on attitude. Um, your attitude is hu- huge. You have to be willing to work with people. You have to have, um, you have to understand that you know your answer of a of a no is not always going to be a no, and be able to adapt quickly to changing circumstances um, and whatnot. And then obviously when you're you know looking at processors that we're working with, it's a little different when you obviously don't know, but somebody who I'm gonna promote from within as far as processing is concerned for us um, is somebody who um, know, who knows their stuff basically. Yeah. They're, when I get their file, it's not, I'm not you know having to touch it three, four, five, six times because the documentation is in there. It's being read, it's being, you know, there's notes in the file directing me on where I need to go. Um, and then obviously, you know, production numbers will play a little bit into it, but I would rather have somebody with the right attitude and I know is doing a good and thorough job and I can teach you how to be faster and better. Yep. So. Yeah. I, I would summarize that as know your shit. Yep. And be very detailed. Correct. I mean, yes. and, 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 <laughs> and, and don't be an asshole. Right. Those are probably the, the three things. Let and your by, manager do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, that correlates and I bet every profession. Like, I bet if I talked to my father who worked in the um, commercial electrical field for 30, 40 years, I think he would probably say, yeah, yeah, pretty much. If, if you want to start digging ditches, work your way up to an apprentice, to a master electrician, to a estimator, to a project manager, you have to not be an asshole, know your shit, and be very detailed. Correct. All right. So, you ready to play five questions? Sure. Five questions. Okay. With a regional underwriting manager. And by the way, you do underwrite files still? Um, once in a blue moon. Once still, in a blue moon, if still, they make you. I still I still clear a lot of conditions when my team is at. I take over their pipeline. So I am still in the day-to-day minutia of knowing how to get a loan from point A to point Z. So. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and and I think that's that's paramount to know. I, I mean, there there are many people who are leaders in this industry that literally don't know there's a T in mortgage. They've never taken a ten oh three, or in in your case, they've never actually looked at a ten oh eight. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like no, no, no. You're you're like, you try not to yeah. underwrite files, but in years like twenty twenty, when you have record volumes and you and your team, by the way, kudos to you and your team. A little bragging moment. The number of weekends that they volunteered to take files home to keep our turn times to 48-24, amazing. You guys absolutely knocked it out of the park. From the sales side of things, we are grateful. Yeah, I have a I have a pretty badass team. Yeah. Now, now that being said, your punishment is you get to spend uh, the next 20 minutes with me on this show answering my five questions. And I'm going to start with the easy ones, and then we'll, incre- we'll increase them a little bit harder. Okay. And this is really where people want to tune in, right? This is where like, oh, shit, we're going to, like, get behind the curtain. Yep, we're going to get behind the curtain. Okay. So, easy one. What do home buyers or homeowners who are looking to refinance, what do they think you do? And what do you actually do as an underwriter? It's funny, you know, um, I actually just had this come up a couple of days ago when somebody asked me what I did um, that was not in our field. And, um, 
you, you tell them you're an underwriter and they think, oh, you're the person who takes the loan application. Nope, that's not what we do. Oh, you're the person who gather, you're the processor. I'm like, nope, nope, that's not what we do. So um, basically what, what we do as underwriting is you've got the loan officer who takes your application. You've got the processor who gathers the documentation, which hopefully matches what the loan officer's application looks like. And then it comes to me and my team. And me and my team are basically validating the information that you've provided us, going through it with a fine-tooth comb, trying to document what the risk factors are of doing the loan, and then obviously following agency guidelines to make sure that we've got a loan that down the line we're going to be able to sell and isn't going to come back to us and cost the company hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially. So we're basically, I guess the easiest way to, to put it for like layman's terms, we're kind of risk management basically for what we do. So Last line of defense. Yes. We are the ones that tell you basically whether or not you qualify. And I'm assuming you guys just get to pull the rules out of thin air and you make it up as you go? I'll, always. <laughs> <laughs> Which, okay. So so for anyone new new to this type of conversation, that was me being facetious. Yes. Yeah. Right? Because no, I think it's paramount to know. You don't get to make the rules. No. Your job is to know the rules, Correct. to understand the rules. And sometimes, like a judge, I used to tell people, as an underwriter, you have to interpret the rules. Correct. And that's that's where things get confusing. You could send two attorneys in with the same exact case, but a different judge each time and get ruled differently. Absolutely. And that's going to happen with, with you and your team just because so much of the rules are subjective. Is that correct? That is correct. It's um, it's a, It's a lot of it again, going with just education and being in the business and doing it for a long enough time is when you really start to learn the nuts and bolts of it. Because yeah, you can go out, I mean, anybody, any consumer really could go out and search the Freddie and Fannie guidelines and read it. But what does that actually mean? And obviously, if we're trying to, if you're trying to document every scenario, it's impossible to do that. So, um, you know, while it's, a lot of it is in the guidelines. There is a lot of walking in gray or interpretation to it because, again, everybody's situation is so different. And the ultimate goal is our motto here is find a way to yes. And how do we take each individual's per situation, look at the guideline, and then try and figure out how do we fit them within that guideline to make the loan sellable? So I love that. Find a way to yes. Right. I didn't I didn't know of that until it was you and your management team that, that came on and you started it's almost like a rallying cry because as a salesperson, that is what we do, yes. right? It's never a no as a salesperson, even if you're a 485 credit score, which by the way, that's super low. You have to work really hard to get that low of a credit really score. <laughs> but I don't want to tell that person no. I want to tell them, here's how you you can qualify. Here's what you have to do. It may take you two years. It may take you five years. It could take you six months. But if you do X, Y, and Z, more than likely, I'll tell you yes. When you guys get a file in, in on, on your end of things, the underwriting side, you're telling me, no, we are looking, and this is good for consumers to know, Yeah, we're looking for a way to say yes, Every as avenue. long as you're not going to get beat up on the business side of things. Correct. Meaning Waterstone Mortgage or any other mortgage company, whether it's Guaranteed Rate, Academy, Prime, Chase, Wells Fargo, Quicken, Rocket, you name them. We are doing loans as long as those loans are saleable, as long as Wall Street wants them, as long as Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, when they when they look at what what we do, they don't say, oh, there's a, there's a deficiency. Oh, you missed something. Because by the way, let me ask you this. How much of your job is reworking work that you did the previous month because Wall Street or Fannie Mae or a regulator or Freddie Mac said no to your work? Um, fortunately, we have a really low issue with that um, because I think, you know, as a group, um, you know, 
we document the files so that I can explain the story. I mean, that's that's one of the things that I think, you know, as a loan officer, as a processor, and what I try and tell the underwriters, the same thing is if you tell me the story, and if I can explain it to an investor, they might not agree with me. I might not agree with what my underwriter did or something, but if I can explain it to you, um, then I can typically get whatever the issue is overridden. Now, if it's just a blatant error, I mean, unfortunately, as good as we try and be, those those big those big errors happen, um, where they just a guideline was blown, and and it's just a it's a learning issue, and you move on, and you know you just you probably will never make that mistake again. But for the general public and the loan officers listening in, I think it's good to know that part of your job, especially at the management level, is that when arguing, a loan arguing has, investors, yeah. So so think about this because I don't think people get to see this. Yeah. When when loans fund. Mm-hmm. And they get shipped off somewhere. Again, it's either going to go to Wall Street, it's going to go to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, it's going to go to an aggregator. It's going to go somewhere else that that someone else may look at your work or your team's work and say, no, you didn't follow the guidelines. You didn't follow the rules. By the way, we've already determined you don't get to make. Right. And then they kick that loan back to you, which means Waterstone Mortgage currently has lent out a quarter or a half a million dollars in some cases, a million dollars in some cases, and someone saying there's a defect. Like think of cars, there's a lemon. Okay, if you own a car lot and you have a bunch of lemons, you don't have any money because you have to sell those lemons at a deep, deep discount. Correct. And that's, that's kind of your job. Your job is to prevent lemons from ever being created and sold in the secondary market. Correct. And I think that's what the consumer doesn't know. The consumer just sees, oh my God, what's next? My fourth grade report card. You want my blood type? I thought I gave, I didn't have to do this the last time I bought a house. You know, it's like, well, you know, things change, regulation changes. Um, you mentioned this a little bit. So I want to get my, my next question okay. of the five questions. Um, loan officers, can you give me one or two things that a loan officer could do to help them help you? to help them help their borrower, more importantly, to help the entire process from A to Z go smoother? I think um, a, a good first interview with your borrower and really knowing what their actual true situation is, um, is is step number one. And step number two is conveying that situation to your processor and to your underwriting team. If you know and you're, you know, if you're having a conversation with a borrower and they tell you something that you know right there is like, whoa, Nelly, that's a red, red, red flag. It's a burning flame of on fire flag. Um, you know, get with your underwriting team, get with your underwriting management team um, and try and work your way through that. I think one of the biggest things that I try and tell loan officers and what really bothers me when this doesn't happen is I'm not, again, here to kill your deal. I'm here to actually help you make your deal work because if you don't get paid, I don't get paid. So I need you. I need your business. I need that loan um, or else I'm out of a job, right? So it's, it doesn't do me any good to try and kill your files. Which get I out of town. So so <laughs> underwriters don't have a big red fat d- deny stamp no. that they just want to deny every file? No, they no. do not. Okay. All right. Learn no. something new today. No, so um, we are not here to kill your deal. We want your deal to go through. Um, so I think that one of the things I would tell them is, is don't be afraid to tell your story. I, I don't necessarily say put that story in the file, but if you know you've got an issue, you know, escalate it sooner than later because typically we can find a way around 
what the issue is and stay within the guideline to have that saleable loan. There's still. your find a way to yes. And um, so there are ways to do it. It's it's when you you know you don't give the full story and then the underwriter gets into the file and the underwriter starts uncovering all these layers and layers and layers and layers and layers, and we're like, wow, what this started out and what this turned out to be. Well, you've lost. A of credibility and that's probably the worst thing you could do with underwriting is lose credibility because we're only as good as your word uh, you know as you're you're as good as your word we're as good as ours that's kind of the whole trust but verify that's great mr loan officer that you said that well prove it to me Uh, (laughs) you know the the one thing that you taught me um and this was you know probably five years ago when you onboarded and i was i mean heavy into production you know doing 10 15 units a, a month and you're like look if you can provide me the roadmap, I'll follow your roadmap. Yep. But if you hand me a blank slate, I'm going to go looking everywhere for the best path, even if it's a path that's not the easiest for you or your borrower. Right. And then I just he- heard you answer the question of like, what's the one thing loan officers sh- should be doing? And I was like, oh shit, that's what she meant. Mm-hmm. She's meaning, look, write the best directions, not Ikea directions. Like, you know, like I'm talking, talking to a kindergartner directions, paint by numbers, but create the map, the roadmap that you want the underwriter to follow and the follow it. Uh, You started touching on this. We might as well slide into uh, the third question of our series of five. Okay. Um, What is one thing? And it could be multiple things, but one thing that you're like loan officers, (laughs) effing stop, 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 stop. If you don't stop doing this, I don't know how you're going to ever get out of becoming average or I don't know how you're going to continue to not not make friends with your support staff and operations. Well, I think, um, again, it's knowing your borrower um, and being able to tell the story. And when I call you to ask you a question about or when an underwriter does that, you can actually answer the question intelligently. Now, sometimes bombs come up and none of us know and we're like, oh, oh yeah. man, now we got to work through this. But um, I think, you know, being upfront and honest um, and also being willing to see our side of it, I'm not going to ever say that the underwriters are ever 100% correct because they're not. Um, And just like sales is not 100% correct. It's finding that middle of how to get the loan done. So I think if you go into it with, first of all, being kind, everybody being nice to each other because um, we're all, you know, again, we're all pulling in the same direction. We all want the same result as to get your borrower into home. Um, But uh, I think, you know, being able to intelligently speak about your file um, and have the documentation to back up what you're telling me or be able to get it. Um, It's when, again, the stories change over and over and over and over and over again that uh, we become a little more like, hmm, you know, it's kind of like if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, there's, it's probably a duck. So something is probably going on in that file that maybe isn't something we want to lend on and or maybe it's something we got to go even deeper um so i think that that's basically the thing is you know again we all walk in a shade of gray at some some level in this business but uh, i think it's uh kind of knowing what your big red flags are and addressing those sooner than later yeah and i think that's something when i was listening to you answer the question i was trying to like okay how could i summarize this into like a facebook post yeah (laughs) you know it's like how do we take all that information and 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 break it down and i'm thinking quit lying yeah like (laughs) like if you understand and if you truly believe we're all on the same team yeah it's like look you lie to me once i look past you You lie to me a second time okay now you've pissed me off you lie to me a third time and now that's the whole duck thing you're talking about. Right. And we want to prevent the ducks from even walking in. Right. I mean, if you know, let's let's go ahead and address the situation. Let's work together to find a way to yes, but don't go lying to your underwriter. 
Like that just makes things worse. It's kind of like as a parent of a teenager and actually now two teenagers, I'm like, look, quit lying. Yeah. Like quit lying. It's way worse when I found out that you lied to me than if you just owned it up front and we were able to address the situation together. Well, I think in uh, to kind of uh, piggyback off of what we were talking about, I think part of the problem in, in the what do, what do homeowners think we do, it's the same thing of what the, what a loan officers think we do. I think that, you know, there is this stigma that underwriting is there to kill your deal and underwriting is there put in place to, to find any issue with the file and, you know, just, just dig, 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 dig the hell out of a file um, and make everybody's life miserable. That's really not what it's about. And I think, you know, I think, you know, speaking of, of where our office and the way that we work with our loan officers, we have really gotten away from that. It's awesome. I mean, everybody does feel comfortable to talk to their underwriter about what the issue is. People do feel comfortable coming into my office and telling me, look, this is this is what the situation, what can we do? Um, and I think that as a loan officer, if you work with your operations team and develop that rapport, it goes such a long way. I mean, again, gone are the days of the underwriter in the ivory tower where you can't talk to them um, in most cases. I know some places are still like that, but I mean, that's- If they are, you should find a new place of employment. And that's that's (laughs) coming from my heart because look, at the end of the day, an underwriter needs to be a part of your point of sale practition, right? So like at point of sale, when you're structuring, wouldn't you rather overcome a hurdle or understand you can't overcome a hurdle before you issue that pre-approval letter, before that person gives their $5,000 earnest money deposit, before an appraisal is ordered? It's like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, like, let's let's think about the consumer. Let's make the consumer experience the best it can be. Yeah. And we do that by utilizing the resources that we have. Now, obviously, if you're a loan officer tuning in, you've heard me enough over the past year. You become such a great technician that you know as much as the underwriters. Right. That should be your goal. Your goal should be that you are as as knowledgeable, if not more knowledgeable than the person underwriting your file. But if you're not, because we all have to start somewhere, Mm -hmm. then reach out to an underwriter. I remember hearing stories from people who are mentors to me. So I've been in the business for going on 20 years. So this would have been 30 years ago, 40 years ago, where an underwriter, this was kind of back during the broker years, Mm -hmm. and they would send a, a wholesale lender, would send their underwriter to a broker's office to sit with a young loan officer for three or four files to watch it be underwritten. Loan officers, if you work at a place or you broker to a wholesaler that is that open, last year, by the way, it would have been very difficult to do this because we all were drinking from a fire hose. But (laughs) as staffing gets um, more on keel to production, as production wanes a little bit, see if you can sit with one of your underwriters for a couple of your files and watch your file go through the process and ask questions. Correct. I mean, that, that would be an, a, an awesome recommendation for anyone tuning in. Well, I mean, and that's, you know, that's, that is a huge deal because, I mean, I think that, again, it goes for any, any job in this business. I think it's super important that um, an underwriter knows what a salesperson does or what a processor does. I mean, a lot of us started out as processing, um, but, you know, you don't, you forget what is on the other end of that. So I think that it's, it, that's a great recommendation. How cool would it be to take your underwriter on a sales call with you? I'm, I'm, I'm available for hire. (laughs) Yeah. 
I, I know darn well some of your some of your underwriters are listening right now and they have like palpitations in their heart. Yeah. There's not enough coffee and cigarettes. Like, enough. oh, they're gonna It's they're hard gonna... enough to get them on a Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> With their camera on. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, guys and girls, turn your cameras on. We'd love to see you. We miss seeing you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but no, if you could, I think what a great ability to cross train. So you mentioned um, loan officers coming into your office. Mm -hmm. So that that led me to question number four. Okay. If I am a loan officer or I am a, a, a borrower, right? I'm a, I'm a client trying to borrow money. I don't like what the underwriter is telling me. What's the proper way to escalate that? Well, I mean, run it up to, you know, God and country. No, <laughs> call the CEO, call damn the it. CEO. <laughs> That's how you get your shit done. <laughs> you know, that, oh, no. um, not advisable. No, not advisable. Not, at all. Not, not, I mean, it, trust me, it'll work for that one transaction. <laughs> yeah. And then it's not going to work going forward. No. Um, in all reality, if you don't like, um, first of all, you know, again, it's the, it's the circumstances of knowing, I guess, what your situation is. If you do have the ability to talk to your underwriter, you know, again, approach them with, you know, if, it, if, they, if you think they're incorrect on a guideline, um, give them the guideline. I mean, we're not perfect. We miss things. Things are changing. I mean, every day I learn something new of uh, something that I'm like, I knew this like the back of my hand. I can't go a day without going into things that I, ten, or, you know, 10 years ago. I could rattle yeah. off like this. Now I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, anymore, especially when it comes to FHA, especially, I can't remember. I'm like, gosh, was that 2011? When was they, that when 17? When they switched to the 4,000.1. Was yeah. that 19? Was it, I mean, everything from what is the UFMIP today? What's the monthly today? Yeah. How do I calculate student loans? Like, uh, well, I have a collection. What's the new collection policy? Yeah. Yeah. But what I loved what you said, hand them the guideline. Don't go off of some some obscure marketing website or some program flyer. Right. No, learn how to do your research, whether you're you're utilizing all regs or going directly to Fannie and utilizing Ask Polly, whether you're pulling up FHA's uh, handbook or you're you're calling the VA uh, a regional home loan center, right? And, yep. and and you're getting the info, the page, the chapter, the subsect, and offer that because then it's a good chance your underwriter did read it. Yeah. Now it's you versus them in terms of how you're interpreting it. Correct. As a salesperson, I tend to put on rose-colored glasses. <laughs> my my way to yes may be a lot easier than your way to yes. Correct. True story. <laughs> but let's say the underwriter and I, we still can't see eye to eye. So after that, I mean, you want to get whoever their manager is involved, whether that's a lead or whether that's a regional or whether that's an underwriting manager. Obviously, there's hierarchy is very different depending on the company that you go to. Um, and then, um, so you escalate it to them and then obviously that person is going to take the facts and they're either going to agree or disagree with you. Um, you know, personally for me and hopefully, you know, um, I, people manage this way as well. Cause I think this is the way you do it. You know, um, all of us override each other at some point in time, at some point, you know, the underwriter is going to be right. At some point you're going to be right. Sometimes I'm going to be right. Sometimes my manager is going to tell me, nope, you're doing this loan. I may not agree. Um, I think that, you know, at which point you say, then damn it, you put your DE on that. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes. <laughs> that happens to our industry geeks tuning in. They'll laugh at that to people newer in the industry or, or, or the, um, average consumer listening. They're like, huh, what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, basically it just means like one of the highest designations you can receive as an underwriter. Uh, when you sign your name to someone's file, you're also signing your designation Correct. as your kind of like your stamp of approval. And there are times that let's say Melissa's underwriting a file and she's like, no, I'm not putting my name to it. And her boss is like, 
you're going to approve this loan. She's like, cool, you put your name to it. Yes. Right? Because that if that loan goes bad, it will follow you. Correct. I think that's good for anyone to know, both loan officers and consumers. Like, like we all have fingerprints in this industry. Loan officers, we have our NMLS, right? Our NMLS number is our fingerprint. Underwriters, especially those that are DE, which means you have the FHA stamp of approval. Correct. Or LAP, which means you have the VA stamp of approval, which, by the way, for anyone tuning in that doesn't know this, <clears throat> if you have a DE, you make more money than if you don't. If you have your lap, you make more money than if you don't. That is correct. So, <laughs> you know, when people are saying like, hey, I need extra documentation, what they're trying to say is, hey, I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose my credentialing. Correct. This credentialing helps me make the money I make and provide food for my family. Like, there's a method to the madness. Um, okay, sorry about that. Little rabbit hole. <laughs> Dio got preachy yet again. But, but no, so when there's a disagreement, how do I go over my underwriter's head without being a total prick? Honestly, I think you just need to tell them. I mean, I, um, you know, the first couple times that somebody tells you that you, they're going to go over your head, it stings. Um, I think, you know, obviously, if you've been in the business long enough, you know that it's just like, okay, do it. Yeah. Half the time. <laughs> and honestly, in a role, in my role, um, I've already gone to my boss and given them the heads up. There, I'm like, oh, he's not going to like my answer. So yeah, FYI, this, this is, is going to come to you. To you. <laughs> Um, but you know, I think again, it just is all about respect. Um, understanding that, you know, we are all a team, um, and yeah, we may not agree on the decision, but uh, you know, be kind about it and just be like, Hey, you know what? I disagree with you. I'm going to go to, you know, in, for my team, you know, I'm going to go ask Melissa now, um, what her opinion is. Um, and it, if it's not, you know, if you don't agree with me, Hey, I'm going to go ask, you know, my boss, um, uh, what his what his opinion is and um, and that's fine. I mean, you're entitled to go as far up the chain as you want to. Um, but I think again, it's just all about not blindsiding people um, when it comes to if you want to escalate something. I always like to know if you're going to escalate it. I don't like hearing the runaround because also most of the time, again, my boss is going to come to me way before they are going to answer you and figure out what the story is because again, you know, when it's presented to them, they don't always get the full picture of a file. And then when you hear X, Y, and Z along with that, same thing when I get a, you know an escalation from one of, uh, a loan officer over one of my underwriters, I hear this part of it when I really needed to hear this part of it, and then I will either agree or disagree with what the decision was on the loan. Awesome. So I have a fifth question and a bonus question. Okay. Both are going to be fairly easy. Should be fairly short answers. All right. All right. So fifth question is this. Honestly. Besides vodka. And we joke about that, but look, um, I'm a big fan of tokens of appreciation, whether it's to my, my marketing team, whether it's to my legal team, to, to, to my entire team. But what is the key to an underwriter's heart? Um, like, how, how, do I, how do I solidify, if I'm into relationship building, and I'm out, I'm a loan officer, I'm building relationships with realtors and my past clients, but you're an integral part of my team. How, how do I get in? I honestly, um, yeah, I mean, you know, people sending stuff. I mean, that's great. But at the end of the day, it's really not what any of us are in this for. She likes to horseback ride, drink <laughs> vodka and get massages <laughs> and listen to EDM music. Just saying for anyone who may currently work with yeah. Melissa or if your future paths cross, yeah. <laughs> they that work, is, that they is work. But besides those things. That is it. Um, no, I, uh, I would say, honestly, again, it's just about be respect. Um, that is the biggest thing. Um, whether you agree with my decision or not agree with my decision, having a respectful conversation, um, 
and again, being able to know your file um, and be able to talk intelligently on that. I mean, again, it's uh, that's the the biggest thing. Just don't again, so don't, don't lie to us. We're, we're we're back to the beginning. We're we're like like where it's like you know, be really good at your job. Like yeah. know your stuff. Yeah. Uh, don't be an ass yeah. and be detailed. Correct. Man, and that's a great way to your heart. Okay, bonus question. Why do you love the mortgage industry? Um, well, it depends on the day. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Some days it's for the damn paycheck, Dustin. So, so, some days I only show up just to get paid. No. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we all have those days, full disclosure, we do. Yeah. No, honestly. John um, Coleman calls that the days that end in Y. <laughs> Um, no, honestly, I would say that, uh, realistically, I still enjoy, um, you know, when I, when I actually am working a file and clearing conditions and I can push that button that sends it to a clear to close and know that I'm getting somebody a better rate on their house or getting them cash out to do home improvements or getting them their first home ever. Um, I, I still get a rush off that. So, um, I think obviously what we do is an integral part of the economy. Yes. Um, and you know, um, owning a home is still arguably the American dream. Um, so being able to have a hand in that, um, is still exciting. I still get excited when I get to press the CTC button. <laughs> so. CTC clear to close. Clear At the end of the day, it's all about helping people. Yes. That's, it comes down to helping people. Yep. And this show, thank you, Melissa, for letting us spotlight or highlight that underwriters are people too. Yes, we are. Underwriters <laughs> are people too. Hopefully by tuning in, you have learned how you can better help your underwriter better help you. I'm Dustin Owen. She's Melissa Ferentz. That's all the time we have. Please, if you're tuning in for the first time, check us out. We are all over the place on social media. LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, at The Loan Officer Podcast. If you want to look me up, I'm Dustin Owen on LinkedIn. I'm also DustinOwen.com. I think my phone number, if I still remember it, is 407-645-6363. YouTube, at The Loan Officer Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you can find podcasts. Like us, share us, comment. If you want us to keep doing this and you have an idea of a future episode, we'd love to hear from you. I'm going to do an episode next week on HELOCs, all because nice. a lady from Oregon reached out to us and said, hey, I want to know more about home equity lines of credit. Nice. And I said, sure, we could talk about that. Cool. Melissa, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Guys, we <laughs> got to go. Peace. <laughs>